This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have you folks here today, and we really do have a special service for you today, and you're going to leave here with some things to think about, and some things you can welcome into your heart. This is part of our series, Hope Rekindled. We looked last week at welcoming the gifts. This week, we look at welcome the interruption. How do we welcome the interruptions that are inevitable in our lives? And so much, again, part of the Christmas story. And I want to share with you a, a concept. If you have a phone, I would actually take a picture of this. And, and it's, a, it's a simple concept, but then when you start letting it work at you, it's like, oh my goodness, that is big. There's a number of them. Like a silly one that I work with couples on is, can you love your partner more than you love your opinion about your partner? Try that on, right? This is that same kind of thing. Like the more you let it work at you, the more it's like, oh, wow, that, that's pretty big. Here's what it is. Faith takes us places, whenever you say the C word there, faith takes us places certainty cannot. Faith takes us places certainty cannot. And here by faith, I'm not talking like some intellectual concept. I think we intellectualize faith way too much. New Church, we don't intellectualize it. We believe that faith has to always be combined with love, with service, or it means nothing. Or it's meaningless. It's faith alone, which does nothing. But, but faith as a, as a heart piece, as a, as a beautiful yin and yang of life, that's what this is talking about here. Faith takes us places certainty cannot. So I want to talk about like, like how that might work, how certainty and faith might go together. And I want to read for you here a story. And today we're looking at the story of, of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, and uh, a lot of the time, like, I feel like these stories, should I get at this the right way? A lot of these times, these stories, these characters in these stories, we kind of freeze them in stained glass. So they become these images that are kind of above and beyond and, and so hard to even imagine or put ourselves in the shoes of these people. But that's exactly what we're actually invited to do. I mean, that's kind of the joy of the Bible to me is that it's very gritty. It's very much here and now. You'll hear the fancy word on occasion in Christian circles, incarnational. And that's what that means. Incarnate means means flesh and blood, dirt. Like it actually is part of the human experience. And, and, and with these stories, as we read through all of them, there's all these different versions of these stories. And, and sometimes you'll hear people, you know, real intelligent friends who goes like, wait, none of the versions agree. That means it must not be right. To which I say, and I really do believe this, a, a myth, and, and these have real parts to them. The, the parts that are poetic, think of it this way. A myth is not true because it happened. A myth is true because it happened over and over again. So those parts of the story, you know, you can't get hung up on like, well, this is, was exactly did A happen, then B, then C, then D, because there's all these different accounts. It's, it's about understanding the poetic truth underneath that. That is always true. And make it such an amazingly rich story. Do we believe that there was a physical Mary? Absolutely. Do we believe that she gave birth to Christ? Absolutely. Do we believe in the virgin conception here in New Church? Yes, we do. And yet, I think that there's a story underneath that that is incredibly significant for us to let into our hearts in a very deep and meaningful way. So will you join me in that story for a second? All right. So so here you have to picture. You have to picture Mary. She's a teenage girl. She's a peasant. 
Uh, you know, if you think at that time, 14, 15 years old, somewhere in that range, um, low class and an occupied in an occupied land. The land is occupied by the Roman army. So, so it's not only that you go from from uh, you know the elites down. You go to the bottom of the barrel, and then you go to the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, and that's where you have Mary. And Mary, to use our language, is engaged at this time. She's found the love of his life. His name is Joseph. And all of a sudden, this little interruption takes place. And here's the interruption. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town called Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married. In other words, engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. That's an ancient king. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. And you can imagine to a peasant teenage girl, an angel showing up and going like, hey, you're God's favorite is a little bit of a surprise. Mary was greatly troubled. In other words, she was afraid at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, as we all would. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. You think about this story, and I love this picture. You know, would, would that leave you in a little bit of a contemplative space? <laughs> you know, thinking through this, like, like what, is, what does this kind of news mean? How does this kind of news work? I want to share with you something that a pastor shared that was tongue-in-cheek. And, and we may wrestle with the idea of a virgin conception. And, and as the pastor said, very tongue-in-cheek, but I like the sentiment under it. We may wrestle with it. He said, I can guarantee you Mary wrestled with it more. And she would have had to have wrestled with all this stuff. Because she had her plan. She had her plan. She knew how life was going to go. She had her plan. She knew how life was going to go. It's interesting when we look at this question. When will life finally begin for me? I think for a lot of us, we have that idea. Life will begin when? What I'm going to do now is I'm going to run out there in the audience. I'm going to ask for a couple of you just to share. Yeah, I believe, I believe life will begin when? And fill in the blank on that. All right? Think about that question for yourself. How would you answer it? I believe life will begin when? By the way, we have a lot of first-time people or some first-time people here today. You don't have to answer these questions. This is just for those who would like to. So please raise your hand if you're interested in answering that. When I finally retire. When I finally retire. Amen, brother. When I allow it to. When I, oh, ruining the punchline. 
Who's got another one? Down for sorry. When I became best friends with my wife. I became best friends with my wife. Good one. What's, uh, what's, what's another one? When I get married. Thank you. When I get married. When I have enough money. When I have enough money. How many of us have a certain amount that we're sure life will begin when there's this many electronic digits? You do know those are all fake. That's not actual real money. When I give that amount, then I'll be then I'll be good. Anyone else? All right, give those folks a round of applause, people. Oh, you good, all right. So that idea of, of life begins when? And it's, it's interesting, right? And it's, it's, there were some great answers out there. And, and they show that basic tension. When I did this with college students at a college chapel on Friday, it was so predictable. Life will begin when I graduate. Next answer was life will begin when I get a job. Please get a job. Uh, life will then begin when I finally get married. And then life will begin when I finally have children. And then life will begin when those kids leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I tell you guys a joke? All right. D nobody, promise you won't think less of me for this joke. I love this joke. So, so there's, there's a pastor, a priest, and a rabbi. They're talking about when life begins. And the, uh, the, the priest says at conception. The pastor says uh, when the baby takes the first, first breath. And the rabbi says when the kids leave for college. <laughs> God, I love that. So... You know, when does life begin, right? So, so she had that. She knew that. She said, life is going to begin when this, this, and this happens. And then all of a sudden, there's an interruption. A divine interruption. Can you see why fear shows up in this? Doesn't it make sense? Like it's, it's, it's something we need to let into our lives because this is a story, yes, about Christ's birth, and it's also a story poetically about the birth of God in our heart, which will interrupt us. It will be interruptive. It will throw us off, so to speak. Can I share with you this? And please, you promise me you're going to listen carefully to this. Yes, please listen very carefully. Maybe interruptions are about this. So we stop playing life begins when, dot, dot, dot. And we start getting life begins now. We stop playing life begins when, dot, dot, dot. We start getting life begins now. But as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think about maybe that's why Mary is such a special character. Because maybe that was the wisdom that she got. That yes, there's these plans, which we all have. But there's also interruptions. I mean, everybody in here has lived an interrupted life. Please say yes. 
Please say yes. We all have. And can we start to can we start to see those differently? Can we start to see that maybe there's something that Mary knew, knew in this moment, didn't know the future, but started to know that maybe that interruption was about life beginning now. So this idea of interruptions, I want to give a little, little context to this. Like some interruptions, we're talking about God's interruptions in our heart. And it's important to say, just as an aside, like, like there's some interruptions that are just hard in life. Can I get a little amen? <laughs> and, and what I want to share with you is that, that you know, just as an aside, again, I, I, a lot of the time I struggle to see God in those interruptions. You know, and I have a certain way that I hold that, but that's not for this sermon. What I do know is this. Please listen. There is no interruption greater than God's love. There's no interruption more powerful than God's love. There's no interruption that will trump God's love. Important to just hold that in context as we look at this. Now, as we try to look at how certainty and faith comes together, this is an idea. Life does not necessarily begin with our dreams for our lives, which center on... Certainty. Life instead often begins with the interruption caused by God's dreams for our lives, which is faith. That's where faith has to come in, right? If the interruption happens, is similar to what it did with Mary, then can I allow faith? Can I allow that eye of love, as we define it here in the new church, can I allow that eye of love to kind of help me through those moments? I want to share a story with you about that. So I'm going to sit down over here and share with you a story. This, this came years ago. It's a story. If you've been around New Church Live for a long time, you know already. But, but it's, it seems, just seems like it's time to tell it again. How many of us in here remember Hurricane Sandy? Remember that? So New Church Live, what, what happened here beautifully in the congregation was a, was a group of parishioners decided to, who were from that area decided we needed to go up there. We set up, we collected clothes, we, we made a pop-up store. I didn't even know what a pop-up store was, but now I do. We've done them a couple of times. I uh, did a pop-up store up there in New Jersey, helped with some different things. Short story, one of the young men we worked with up there called me like three years later to do his wedding, which was super fun. Um, and and then, I, you know, a few weeks after that, I got a call from a family. This family said, Chuck, the family took a vote. This is a large family, by the way. We took a vote. We decided this year to go without Christmas presents. And we would love you to pick a family that you got to meet up there and to take our Christmas gifts to them, similar to what we're doing with the Giving Tree this year. Interruptions galore. Was Sandy an interruption? Yes. Uh, was going up to New Jersey an interruption? Yes. Was playing Santa Claus an interruption? Yes. It's good to play Santa Claus. You ever get the chance to do it. And I, that day was so significant to me, of going up there to, that, to be with that family. And, you know, some of the devastation was just, like, you couldn't even put words to it. Like, we went into one house, a neighbor's house. Literally, their whole floor of their living room had washed out. So, literally, you walked around the edge of their living room to get from room to room because the middle was just a big hole. 
Like, if I hadn't seen that, I wouldn't actually believe that. And what what the family did is after they got these gifts, they they said, hey, Chuck, we'll, we'll take you out to dinner. So we did. And there was one little pizza place open. Think of New Jersey bad pizza, and you have it. And it was exactly like every other pizza shop you've ever been in that serves that kind of pizza. You know, that certain kind of pizza. I shouldn't say bad pizza. Actually, it's really good pizza. Uh, you know, so, so they, they, we went there, and, and they, the, the guy, the father of the house, you know, to celebrate, he bought a case of beer in cans. I don't even remember what kind it was, except for it was bad beer. And, and, and you know, puts it in the refrigerator back, and we just, we had a ton of people. We ate pizza. We, we drank beer out of cans. Was that a good day or what? Yes. It was an interruption. It was an interruption. I didn't plan life to go that way. They didn't plan life to go that way. And when we embrace the interruptions... Certain things can happen. Certain things can take place. We can, we can understand. Folks, do you think that changed my view of faith a little bit? Do you think? Yeah. One of the most holy meals I've ever been part of. One of the most sacred meals I've ever been part of to this day. It, it, it changes it all. And faith is getting it. These interruptions happen. And so... When they happen, how are we going to show up? That becomes the question. That's, that's, I think, the question of this story. I think that's the question God is asking of us. Like, when these interruptions occur, what are we going to do? See, Mary, the story goes on. She gives birth. She gives birth in a stable. Now, the angel didn't tell her that. (laughs) Again, there's all kinds of parts. Like, the angel didn't tell her anything about the story. He just said, look, you're going to have a baby. Didn't say it was going to be born in, in a manger, in a, in a horse stall, essentially. Didn't say that she was going to lose her husband early. Didn't say that, uh, that Jesus was going to die before she did. Didn't talk about the miracles. Didn't talk about the healings that were going to take place. Healings of the heart and healings of the body. Didn't talk about the promise that little infant. Interesting. She welcomed the interruption. And when we welcome it, it's not that we know the way the future goes. Because about all I know is that my view of the future will be interrupted. But what I do know is I can hold on to something deeper within that. One of the lines in another passage that talks about this Mary being visited, it it has this line that I think is important. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Did it say the word understood everything in full? No. Pondered them in her heart. Pondered them in her heart. I think that's what happens with interruption. We we, we want it, it happens and then we want to understand the full thing. But we don't. What it gives us an opportunity is to ponder it in our heart. Could, could I give you folks a quick way to remember this? This is really important. Again, if I had a phone, I would, I would take a note on this. And this is from, from Rob Bell. He said, what this is about is this. Can we, 
when the interruption happens, watch, but not judge. Watch, but not judge. If we get into judging the moment and judging the interruption and judging and judging and judging and judging and judging, we'll miss it. We'll, we'll, we'll have so overanalyzed it, we'll miss the miracle right there. But if we just watch, if we just watch, we'll start to see it. I'm watching a group of people around a table sharing beer and pizza. And I'm remembering the lines of Christ where he says, this is the bread of life. This is the new covenant. This is where life changes and shifts. If I'm judging the pizza, I'm going to miss that. But can I watch? And can I allow that watching to get into my heart? Now, I don't want us to leave here, you know, thinking too seriously of it. So anytime I feel like a sermon's getting too serious, I feel like I need to bust out a little Anne Lamott. So here's some words from Anne Lamott on this that I think get us to the beautiful point. Now, the context of this, Anne Lamott, one of my favorite Christian authors, highly recommend reading her. Uh, she was a single mom, a drug addict, uh, you know, but eventually got her life straightened away. Her, the, the man who... Um, you know, I uh, was a father for a child. Uh, what, what happened was he went on, he got his life straightened out, got married, had a son. So she decides, well, it's time to kind of get these two boys together because they're essentially brothers. And this is the story of when she goes and she goes to where they live and her son and her former boyfriend's son get a chance to connect with each other. So that's the context. I hold up in the hotel with CNN and Kit Kat bars from the mini bar and grew increasingly tense. What if Sam's brother couldn't reach out? What if Sam went into that adolescent glower mode? What if? What if I went through everything that could go wrong that night and then moved into the more spacious realms of worrying about gum surgery and colon cancer? I got some communion Milanos out of the mini bar, performed the sacrament, and then prayed that I could just keep the faith. The thing is, I have a lot of faith, but I'm also afraid a lot. And I have no real certainty about anything. I remembered something Tom told me, that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing, noticing the mess, the emptiness, the discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. I would add the word watching. Faith also means reaching deeply within for the sense one was born with. For the sense one was born with. So can we come to actually see the interruption in this next slide? Can we come to see the interruption this way? You know, again, as a gift, and that idea that if we can do that, that, that if we can have faith there and watch, it will take us further than certainty. It will definitely take us further than certainty. And I want to share with you 
kind of a foundational way to hold that. You know, a way to go like, oh, here it is. This, this is the foundational way to hold all this, to hold all these stories, to hold all these interruptions. Some of us are going through easy interruptions now. Some of us are going through incredibly hard interruptions right now. And what can we share together that can form a foundation that we can build our lives on together? I want to share a piece of new church thought on that. It's this. Let's say the good word really loud. Let's say it one more time, even louder. Goodness, I want that in your heart. I want that in your heart. Don't keep it out here. Pull it in here. Goodness is the underlying reality of life itself. That's immense. Sometimes we get taught, unfortunately, that human depravity is the ultimate reality. Is that true? No. Yes, there is challenges. Yes, there are people who do really bad things. Those things are all true. And our job is to keep calling the world to this goodness that is actually the underlying reality of all things. This goodness that is the underlying reality of all things. And then it goes on to say, truth is how life becomes manifest from that goodness. Now, this allows a totally different kind of faith to happen. See, folks, like, like here's life, right? Functioning around up here. Can I go down to that ultimate reality that life is good? And, and that's, I think, why stories like Mary, if, if we can allow that into our heart, it makes some sense. Like, she had to have believed life was essentially good. We go down to that. And then truth, truth is what goes from that place. Just think about that. Like, like if I really sit in the place, if I really sit in the place that the ultimate reality is good, what is ultimately true will be a reflection of that. Like what I ultimately know will grow from that place. That's a very different place to live. You just think about how the challenges of our lives, how the interruptions of our lives, like we wash it through that, that life is ultimately good. And what is actually really true, what is meaningful, what lasts, what is, is what comes from that knowledge that life is essentially good. That's, that's a game changer. That's a place, I think, where God starts to be born anew in our lives. And it's not to say all interruptions are good or all interruptions are part of God's plan. As I said before, it is to say there is no interruption greater than God's love. And I close with this. Maybe then, maybe those interruptions, if we can see it this way, become this. Take a little breath. Become miracles. Maybe those little interruptions become this. They become miracles. May you have a miraculous Christmas season. 
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 